Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. It's week 18, and the Bears are uh, about to get really interesting. We'll talk about that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, as you and I sit here on the Thursday of week 18, the Bears have got a Packers game to get ready for. The best they can gain from it is to keep their rival out of the playoffs. That's something, but really it gets more interesting the minute the season ends. Yeah, it? it's. I find it harder than it's been all year for me to focus on the game itself, which is surprising because it's a big game. It is a, it's Green Bay and Green Bay playing for a, sh- a shot in the playoffs, but the big picture things have just bubbled up to such a point that in in a in a way this feels a little bit like a preseason game of like just we just need to get through the game right because then all the real stuff's going to happen I, I do think the game has some sort of substance to it in terms of you have a McCaskey family that really cares about how you do against the Packers you have uh, a coach who is riding a pretty hot streak getting t- into that game and you have a team that hasn't been able to finish a lot of times this year some combination of blowing a big lead or getting absolutely boat raced at Lambeau Field I think might change the calculus a little bit, but I, I think as you and I sit here right now, uh, Matt Eberflus looks like he can buy unripe fruit at the grocery store, right? I think we both see see it pretty much the same way right now, that uh, Ryan Poles is fully expected to be back. Matt Eberflus looks like he'll be back. Mm-hmm. And then you go down the line to Luke Getze. Right. Seems... Highly unlikely they could keep him. We were in agreement on that. I don't know about highly. I, I, I think it would be hard to. I don't think you could bring back all three of Getsy, Fields, and Eberflus. Then you get to Fields, and I think um, I think we both agree that uh, Fields hasn't made a convincing case to this point, and one game isn't going to make it convincing after three years. And at a minimum, it's going to be tempting. Yep. For the Bears to use the number one pick to have their choice of all the quarterbacks in the draft. And the reason for that is that Caleb Williams is really good. And that Caleb Williams is thought to be the best quarterback prospect since maybe Andrew Luck. And if you really think you know something and you find that someone else is, looks even better than him, then that's a high bar that that player has cleared. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the only reason I think that there would be some uncertainty there is... If another team wants to give you every pick they own for the rest of their lives for that number one spot, I, I mean, you need to be able to weigh that too. You know, if the question is Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, in a vacuum, that's the correct conversation. But also it's not. It's it's Caleb Williams or Justin Fields plus Marvin Harrison plus three ones plus two twos plus whatever, you know, plus a veteran who's the DJ Moore of offensive linemen or the DJ Moore of receivers because you're going to need another receiver. Uh, you know, that's that's going to be what Ryan Poles has to evaluate. If they this. trade the number one pick, it's going to be for the biggest haul anyone's ever gotten. Yeah, and, and to me that's what Justin Fields has done in the last six weeks is made it palatable to consider how much they could get to that pick. I When he got hurt, I don't, you know, he'd had a hot streak earlier in the season, but when he got hurt, I, I was – I thought there was, there was no way they wouldn't draft a quarterback if they landed number one. Now, I still think that's by far the more likely outcome, but you can kind of talk yourself into the other way. And Lord knows there are Bears fans who have talked themselves into keeping fields and uh, seeing what they could get for that pick. I think that because of all of that, 
there's more on the line for Justin Fields in this game than any of the other power players in the organization. When you go straight through the football core of the organization, Poles, Eberflus, Getze, Fields, I think Fields has the most on the line. Because it's not that one game, good or bad, really changes the math. I mean, if you think about it, Pat, just this season, it'll be he'll have played 13 games or something like that. Mm-hmm. What's one out of 13 games? It's like 8% of his right. season. And we're talking about they had him for all of last year. They've had him for all of these but practices. You're right, but momentum's a real thing, too. I mean, how he does today is more instructive about how he's going to do tomorrow than what he did in week one, isn't it? Well, what I was going to say is I think... It doesn't change the overall math. It's not going to shoot his statistics way up or way down, no matter how good or bad he plays. But, man, you would be leaving... uh, You are leaving kind of the final image in Ryan Pohl's mind. And if the last thing Ryan Pohl sees from you this season is you just lighting it up and doing everything right and playing like you did against the Falcons Mm -hmm. to beat Green Bay... That's going to be a hard image for him to shake as he just speculates on these quarterbacks because there's been plenty of really highly touted college quarterbacks that didn't turn out. Justin Fields, you know what his minimum is. You know that he can be a solid player. You know he's not Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if Justin Fields goes out there and does something that he has done throughout his Bears career of turning the ball over through fumbles and interceptions, that will also be a really tough image for Ryan Pulse to shake as he looks at potentially better options. Yeah, I think the, the, the strongest part of your argument is, of course the last game matters more. Look at, I mean, even on social media, and I, I hesitate to put too much into social media, but even on social media, the change in tone after Justin Fields put up 37 points to beat the Falcons from a week earlier when they didn't put up a ton of points and they beat the Cardinals is just very noticeable. Like, it, it, it has changed the conversation a little bit. And, you know, when you look at Justin's season, it's gone up and down and up and down. I mean, you know, we could sit there and probably be a good podcast during the offseason is, you know, track the low points of, you know, you know, the, you know, the interception he throws in Tampa. And then go to the high point of, you know, the commander's game on a Thursday night, the pass to DJ Moore. Very easily could have been picked off. Turns out to be the game-winning touchdown. And up and down and up and down. He is on the upswing now and and I guess that's why I would argue that the Packers game is important for him because he can remain there, and that helps not only him, but that helps Ryan Poles get a better get better compensation if he trades Absolutely. Justin. I mean, if anything else, if I'm a Bears fan, regardless of whether I think Fields should stay or go, Fields torching the Packers probably. I mean, it could get get a first round pick back for you, a late one, but something. And I, on the flip side of it, if you know, you picture Ryan Poles trudging out of Lambeau Field. Pick, think back to the Vikings game that they mm-hmm. won in Minneapolis. Let's say Fields doesn't pull that out at the end and they lose 10-9. to 9. Right. If you have a game like that Sunday where the defense played more than well enough to win and Fields has cost you this game with turnovers and just being unproductive and you're Ryan Poles walking out of there having supervised now what will be, I think, the 10th loss to Green Bay in a row. Mm-hmm. And you came in talking about take the North and never give it back. And you're picturing like what cost you the chance to at least take down the Packers that week. I think when you're walking out of there knowing that Justin Fields has cost you this, it's just going to be 
very, very difficult to overcome that lasting image and say, no, I do want to bet my career on keeping this guy and trading out of the number one pick. That's the downside. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I wouldn't predict that's what would happen. I would imagine Justin Fields will play pretty well because that's he's look he's been playing pretty well most of the last most of the second half of the season since he came back. I, I bet that that time off really helped him. You don't want to get hurt, right. and I don't think I don't buy into this stupid idea that he's learning from Tyson Bagent. But I do buy. The idea that anyone who ever kind of steps back from something they're doing and doesn't have all the demands and the urgency, the pressing, uh, you know, deadlines and everything to get ready for, if you step back and kind of just have a minute to collect yourself and reassess how you're playing or how you're doing any job, I think it helps. So I imagine there was some good thought and good analysis for Justin Fields by himself looking through back through his first six games or however many it was before he came back. He's played much better since. But Pat, even saying he's played much better since, I mean, look at Jordan Love. Right. Like, that's what... I mean, imagine if you are if you were Green Bay and having to make this decision. Mm-hmm. You're probably sticking with Love because Love's been a top three or four quarterback the second half of the season. You're right, by the way. I mean, I think you and I, <coughs> even in our own jobs, Jason, I think two weeks, ago, or two weeks from now, I think I'll probably have a different perspective on the way I writing stuff or thinking about stuff than I do now just because we're in the middle of a, of, of a grind. And you and I talked last week about there are no bad decisions here. There are just various shades of good. You know, you know, if the Bears' worst case scenario is they draft Caleb Williams, like, I like that. If they keep Justin and have 14 picks as a result, I like that. A lot, a lot of teams would like that. I, if they just used the assets they have right now right. in the draft and, inf- and salary cap and kept everything else the same from this team, mm-hmm. they would be an odds-on favorite to make the playoffs next year. Absolutely. I mean, as it is there... So that's your starting point. Do nothing, right? basically. And you're probably a playoff team next year. Right, but when you bring up Jordan Love, I mean, part of the reason this Justin conversation is a conversation is because the Bears shouldn't have the number one draft pick, but they do. Right. Uh, the Packers shouldn't have... Uh, Packers don't have a pick high enough to draft a quarterback of consequence. So the good news for them, I mean, I guess they have the Jets pick, right? And they have their own. Um, the good news for them is that Jordan Love looks like an answer. Um, but you know what? They don't have to place the same bet that Ryan Poles has to place because Ryan Poles made himself a hell of a trade. And had he not done it, the Bears would be picking 10th, probably. They would be 10th right now. I think that could go all the way to 16th. Yeah, and depending I, on what happens this week. And we would not be sitting there wondering whether Justin Fields would be the quarterback next year. We'd sit there and go. There's no one to get. You have uh, yeah. to make this work. Yeah, you have to make or it Or if work. he was so bad, it'd be like with Trubisky where they have to go try to find right. a veteran. Yeah, or hope that Jaden McDaniels or somebody in that second-tier quarterbacks falls. Um, this is, in a sense, this problem is the greatest problem the Bears could yeah, have. It's not a problem. Having choices no. is a privilege. Right. Yeah. I would rather be the Bears and have options than be where if they had the 10th or 16th pick and because Fields had played well mm-hmm. and gotten them, you know, out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have this situation where you have options. Yeah. Options are a privilege. Options are a good thing. And, you know, you mentioned that this is going to be a career-defining thing for Ryan Pulse. It absolutely is going to be. And it's not just his decision on Justin. It's his decision on Matt Eberflus. And if he sticks with him, and, you know, presuming he does that, whether Matt Eberflus will stick with Luke Getze, 
you know, if they stay with Eberflus and Getze and draft a quarterback, I think he's telling you without telling you that they thought Justin was the problem. Or at least Justin... They thought they could do better. Yeah, and that Justin was standing in the way of them getting where they wanted to be. And that Getze was scheming around Justin Fields' limitations. Which, I think you can believe that, what you just said. You can believe that and still think that Getze should go. Yeah. And I think you could believe that Justin is deeply flawed, but still worthy of, uh, of a starting job on a good team. I think Justin Fields is good enough that their passing offense shouldn't be as bad as it was yeah. last year or this year. Where they've been collectively over two years one of the worst. This year, I think, in terms of passing production, just yardage, mm-hmm. uh, and passer rating, I want to say, too, they're in the bottom third yeah. of the league. I think Justin Fields can do better with, than that. I think when you're an off- first-time offensive coordinator like Luke Getze, mm-hmm. and you get handed a guy that was just drafted 11th overall right. the year before, and he's not a project. He's not from southeastern West Dakota State or right. whatever. Like he's from the highest level of college football. I think that's a pretty good starting point. And you just have gone back and forth, Pat, for two years of, well, is when Fields plays well, you're like, oh, well, Getsy, why doesn't Getsy let him play like that all the time? Getsy's hindering him. And then when Fields goes 19 for 40 against the Browns, you're like, wow, look what Getsy's got to try to scheme around. This is a limited quarterback. You all you go back and forth like week to week on who's the problem out of Fields and Getsy. And I would say that then your answer is they're probably both the problem. Right. Well, and that's and what, in that in right. that through that lens, if you're going to say Fields is more the problem, if you're the Bears and going to say what we really need is a new quarterback, mm-hmm. I still don't see how you could sit there and say Getzey has shown me that he would be the right guy to develop the number one overall pick in the draft that we're bringing in. I think we've heard Matt Eberflus over the two years uh, bestow titles upon his coaches. I think the ultimate compliment he tries to give is that. They're good teachers, mm-hmm. is that they are there um, to to guide a player kind of hand-in-hand to where they want to go. I think that Eberflus could split hairs and say, I believe in Luke as a leader, which he said last week. I believe, I believe in Luke as a teacher, and I want to let Luke teach whoever our quarterback is. I, I think there's a way to do it. In a world in which, what, what a third of all offensive coordinators were fired last year, something like that? They cycle I, through them pretty good. In the yeah, league. I mean, it's a, be pretty, you know, it would be, I think it'd be surprising if there wasn't a change, probably. Um, and I'm kind of backing into that just because I think it's complicated. Um, but, you know, if you keep Luke Getze, it's an act of faith. It's not an act of, uh, it, it's, it's an act of It's not based faith. on evidence. It's not based on something concrete that you've seen so far. Right. And... It is. There's something to be said for having conviction and having faith and making the leap on something that you think will happen, mm-hmm. even if you haven't seen the proof of it yet. Mm-hmm. But in Ryan Pohl's case and Maddie, and especially Matt Eberflus's case, you're betting your job on it. Yeah. There's no way Matt Eberflus could survive another bad season next year. There's no way. No. Pohl's maybe. Maybe, you know, GMs sometimes get two coaches, and if they just drafted a quarterback, you know, he'll get time to see that. But there's no way Eberflus survives another bad season. And I don't think if they have a bad season next year, it's going to be because of their defense. Right. So he, man, you're right. It would take a leap of faith. But you better be, you better have so much faith in that that you're willing to risk your job over. I think there's a value in consistency that, that might be... If I were in charge, not necessarily of this team in this situation, but if you gave me an NFL team tomorrow, I think one of the great inefficiencies in the market right now is 
consistency. I think having the same players year over year, having the same staff year over year, has tremendous value if you've got the right guys. And we could talk all day about whether or not Matt Eberflus is the right guy. But I think there's a, I think there's a, the trend to cut bait quickly, which I mean, the Bears' last four coaches have been, uh, Tressman was two years, Fox was three, three, Nagy was four. I mean, you know, this would be the, uh, if they fired him, their fourth coaching search in 10 and a half years. That's not the way you want to do stuff. And, and I understand cycling through coaches until you feel like you've got the right one. But in a vacuum, in a vacuum, I can see the value of bringing the same people back if you believe you're on the right path. But like you said, you know, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to be able to prove it. Yeah. Continuity is great if you're right. Yeah. That's, you know, a big part of what you just said is when Lovey Smith was here, there was great value in that continuity because they had a system in place. They had a style of play in place defensively where and everyone was aligned in terms of what kind of players they need to bring in, mm-hmm. how to develop them, and then how to employ them, right. how to play them in the game. And then when, you look at, when you look at Kyle Shanahan, like I'd give Kyle Shanahan a 10-year contract right now. I'd want that. Yeah. I'd want to continue that, continue that offensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin is, the, is there in Pittsburgh for 17 years because he's the right guy. Right. He should coach there another 17 years if he wants to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that Matt Nagy should still be coaching the Bears and they no. should have just ridden that out indefinitely to see where it was headed. Well, you have to have the right guy. Well, and, and Lovey's an interesting point is that eventually people got tired of going nine and seven or ten and six, which the Bears have not been able to do since. You know, and, 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 and <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't once. think what they would do for ten and six. Oh here my God, now. there'd be a parade. Um, and Mark Potash has said this, I think, on mic and off. Um, I think you can bring Matt Eberflus back without knowing for sure whether he's a championship-level coach. I think you can bring him back on the presumption he might be heading that way. I think just because you keep him into next year doesn't mean that you think you can win a Super Bowl with him for sure. <coughs> what Lovey, you know, Lovey got to a Super Bowl, and then half the reason for firing him was the Bears thought that he was good but not great and could not get them to the promised land because he couldn't produce an offense that you know, resembled anything in the modern NFL. I think that's the big question for Eberflus too. Is he can have a consistent defense that can maybe make the Bears better than average, uh, you know, over the years if you stick with him. But you know, you need a quarterback to take that next step, and you need an offense. And the Bears don't have. I don't think they have either right now. Uh, you know, I mean, Justin Fields in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields with his team losing in five minutes to play. You know, that's the worst quarterback in football right now. <coughs> The name we haven't been talking about, who is the most important name, the guy that really has final final say mm-hmm. over all this, is Kevin Warren. And we don't know what he thinks. Right. Kevin Warren is somehow everywhere and nowhere <laughs> all at once because I you can't you couldn't come here to Hallis Hall where we are right now uh, to have lunch without running into Kevin Warren. Probably right. you'd probably see him. He's around. We see him all the time on the road. We see him in press boxes. We see him in hallways. Uh, outside locker rooms, inside locker rooms, and so he we see him all the time. Right. But Kevin Warren is not willing to discuss in any regard what he thinks of what's going on. And the way it was presented to us when they hired him was A, from George McCaskey, that this is the guy who runs things now, not me. Mm-hmm. And B, from Kevin Warren, that he is no-nonsense, very high expectations, 
This is not going to be the same old Chicago Bears. Kevin Warren came from, I think his first job in the league was with the Rams. Mm -hmm. And I believe he, the coach of the Rams was Dick Vermeil. He and, told us about this. Yeah, yeah and that, you know, uh, Trent Green has, I believe, Rodney Harrison hit him in the knee in a preseason game uh, as quarterback of the Rams. And I think Vermeil had had two horrible seasons going into his third. And they had to turn to a guy named Kurt Warner. And it's one of the great stories in, in NFL history. But it's he was there to see that firsthand. He was there to see a turnaround firsthand. He was there to see a franchise not change, not give up on their veteran coach, not uh, kind of stick with what they believe. And it worked. Now, did it take one of the great miracles in NFL history to work? Yeah. I mean, a bad boy wound up being a great quarterback. But I wonder how much that informs what he's looking at here. And I also wonder how much Matt Eberflus's public persona does, too. Kevin Warren is very careful in the way he says everything. And Kevin Warren is very gifted in the way he says everything. Mm -hmm. Matt Eberflus is not. And I think we've seen him loosen up a little bit, Jason. I, I think maybe the, so he's doubtful, but he's out, but he's doubtful, but he's out. Justin Fields' conversation was probably the last just ridiculous one I can remember, and that was five weeks ago, probably. Um, so Aberflus is getting better, but you wonder whether that uh, bothers Warren or that is a sign to Warren that things aren't great. Yeah, if you were trying to put yourself in Kevin Warren's chair, you, I think, would be very pleased with Ryan Poles. Mm -hmm. You would say, I like almost all of his draft picks. Mm -hmm. I like almost all of his other acquisitions. Mm -hmm. There's some mistakes. Mm -hmm. Roquan Smith going out, although Ryan Poles would probably argue that's not a mistake. Uh, Chase Claypool, a mistake. Valus Jones, a draft mistake. Um, I think maybe C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields was a miscalculation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what all of those Kevin Warren would factor into it. But I think he would mostly like the way that Ryan Poles has built the roster because we both think you could do nothing and this would still be a playoff mm -hmm. wildcard type team next year. And I think he would like the way that Ryan Poles presents everything when he talks in public. That Ryan Poles doesn't hide that when something happens, like with Jalen Johnson or Roquan Smith or Allen Williams, Ryan Poles comes out and faces it and handles it well. I don't know that Ryan, that uh, Matt, uh, Kevin Warren could evaluate Matt Eberflus's season the same way. The year that they've been together, I don't think that he could look at Matt Eberflus's season and say, you've done your job really well. You've done your job as well as Ryan Poles has yeah. because you see a lot of issues on the field. You mm -hmm. see just a team that was totally not ready for its season opener mm -hmm. and got waxed by Green Bay mm -hmm. in that opener. Mm -hmm. And you see a team that had no chance the second it walked in the building against the Chiefs. Right. That's the only time the Chiefs have looked that good this right. year right. was against the Bears. How about the Chargers? The Chargers kicked their heads in and the yeah. Chargers wound up firing their coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. You see a bunch of you see a bunch of those problems. You see, and then you see and then you turn to like what you're saying, Kevin Warren a uh, very, very good public face of the franchise, very good at being the voice of the franchise. Matt Eberflus has only been doing well at that these last two months. Right. And that's because there's been no mess, really. There's been a couple of games that got ugly, the Lions game, the Browns game, but there's been no controversies. There's been no who told Chase Claypool to stay right. home, what did Justin Fields say about his offensive coordinator, right. injury, injury report uh, nonsense. Right. There's been you know coaches departing for non-football reasons. There's been none of that the last two months. And good for Matty Refluce, because if you run things well, you don't have to deal with those right. messes. But, you know, the next mess that comes up, you think he's going to handle that well? I, I can't imagine Kevin Warren feeling great about that. 
I think. But I also don't think that Ryan Poles wants to fire Matt Eberflus. And if you're keeping Ryan Poles, then you're deferring to his judgment on that. Yeah, and and I think that I, I think that Eberflus appearing a little more loose in public is a result of a couple of things. Number one, they're winning games. Number two, like you mentioned, his life is a little more normal now than it was. I mean, you know, what was so remarkable uh, remarkable about David Walker and Alan Williams is that just doesn't happen. And then it, it doesn't usually twice. happen once. Right. Um, and also his defense is playing well. And I realize he's the coach of the entire team. But there must be something comforting about being dominant at the thing you're in charge of. He has something he could say. If they brought him in, Pat, and said, why should we keep you? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine that conversation. He'd have some things to say, particularly the defense. Yeah. He'd say, our defense weren't great. Go back two years if they had brought, called Matt Nagy in and said, right. make your case to keep your job. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what he could have said. His, uh, what, what George McCaskey say, that he was proud of how after losing six games, he didn't lose the seventh. Um, I want before we get out of here, Jason, and the clock's ticking. I just want to check in on Pro Bowl picks for the Bears. I don't think either you or I put too much credence in it, other than the fact that it's a really cool honor for for guys, and it's a it's a way to recognize uh, the best in the world. Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat both got their first ever Pro Bowl nods on Wednesday night. You surprised by either? No, those guys both deserve it. I think I would have nothing would have surprised me more. Than Jalen Johnson not getting not it. getting it exactly. If Jalen Johnson had not gotten in, I think that would have been the biggest surprise to me when it comes to the Pro Bowl for the Bears in the last five years. Right, uh, Bears did not have any Pro Bowl people last year, and the two years before that had two apiece. In each case, Jason, um, they were uh, one of each was a special teamer. I believe Jakeem Grant was one, and Cordero was the other. So you could argue that this is the first time the Bears have had two regular players get named to this All Star game in. Five years, um, you know that's not extraordinary, but it, it, it's noteworthy for sure. Do you think DJ Moore uh, should have been in? I am frantically right now trying to pull up the rosters. I'll for, vamp real quick. Who while made you pull it? Up, okay, while thank you. Pull you. up the rosters. The argument that uh, let's get Mark Potash started on this one day is it's one thing to say somebody got snubbed, and it's another to go down and tell you who you would uh, replace him with. You know what I mean? It's this happens in baseball All Star games all the time. Is if you really think your guy got uh, you know got screwed, all right, you know, tell me who deserves to to go if you're going to put him back on the roster. I want to see a player say that. Someday. Yeah, but that was I mean that's my thought about DJ Moore is DJ Moore 1300 yards. You know he needs 125 ish yards on Sunday to be the second best Bears receiver of all time in terms mm-hmm. of single season yardage. Now with an extra game and that's worth something. Um, and but if you're going to say that DJ deserves to be there, I, I think you have to tell me who you're going to kick off. I'm looking at the guys who made it right now. It would be hard to take any of them off between uh, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, and Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua, am I? Yeah, I mean, and Nakua is the rookie who, you know, uh, is the least famous of the four. But Jason, what are his numbers? They're they're absurd. He has. Uh, 1,400 yards and five touchdowns on 101 catches. And he's the MVP of a good of a playoff team yeah. with a better than expected offense. The three, the first three guys all have more yards than DJ Moore. Right. And Mike Evans is just a little bit below him, but has double the touchdowns. So, um, I don't think DJ Moore got snubbed. I think DJ Moore had a really good year in a really competitive field of NFC wide receivers, and. It should be hard to make the Pro Bowl. It shouldn't be right. that 
50 guys make it at each position. Mm-hmm. One guy that stuck out to me as maybe maybe a bear who would have a good argument for being snubbed, and uh, this will probably just continue to happen, mm-hmm. is Cairo Santos. I know that uh, I think Brandon Aubrey of the Cowboys is perfect this year, isn't he? Yep. On field goals, mm-hmm. hard to turn it, hard to turn that down, no matter where he's doing that. But I don't think that Cairo Santos gets the weighted score for kicking half his games at Soldier Field, the right. worst place in the league to kick. His numbers will never be at the top of the league because of that, and because Pat, even in his road games, you know, he's always got Green Bay. That's a given. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're kicking eight to eight to ten of your games every year are going to be conditions. in pretty bad places to kick. And I, I think too that it's if you're a Bears fan or if you're someone who follows the Bears, you have an increased appreciation for Cairo given what you had lived through in the previous years. I don't expect voters, whether it's fans uh, across the country, players or executives or coaches. I'm sorry. I don't expect them to know the context of the Bears kicking situation the way the Bears fans do. I think that Montez Sweat deserved to go. I think Jalen Johnson deserved to go. I think there's other players that had Pro Bowl-worthy seasons. But, again, to your point and to Mark's, it's hard to say that somebody got snubbed unless you're willing to say, well, CeeDee Lamb shouldn't be on there or, you know. Also, if your team wins more games, you're going to get more Pro Bowlers. Sure, the Niners had nine guys on there. And I think 12 alternates. Yeah, That's like most of their team. Um, so uh, who knows, Jason? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, we will be uh, coming to you from the Lambeau Field press box on Sunday night with plenty more to say about uh, what happens in the rivalry game and what's next. Until then, uh, oh, real quick, picks. I'm sorry. So uh, I, I'm I'm so behind on these picks. Rick Morrissey, Packers, 24-17. Scoop Jackson, Packers, 35-34. Mark Potash, 24-23 Packers. Jason Leisure, 24-21 Packers. Explain yourself. I think that the Bears are going much better. I think they're doing much better. I cannot imagine, because Green Bay is doing better too. Right. And I cannot imagine Green Bay on the roll that they're on with a chance to win and in for the playoffs at home against the Bears. I can't imagine them blowing that. They blew it last year against the Lions in the same situation. I think they're better this year. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I've got the Bears 21-18 in overtime. And, yes, I'm picking overtime because it's a cop-out. And uh, Rick Tallender has got the Bears 24-21. I just think the Bears are playing well. And I think if you look at the last two wins that the Packers have had uh, against a rookie quarterback, Jaron Hall, who was way overmatched on Sunday night, and against uh, the Panthers, in which they're a split second away from going overtime, I I don't think the Packers in that two-week sample size – looked better than the Bears. Scored a lot, though. And yep. I like having a quarterback that is on fire more than anything else. Yeah, you tell me right. one part of my team is really trending upwardly, and it's the quarterback, that's what I would want. If you look at that yep. Minnesota game, compare that to when the Bears were there a month earlier, yep. I think it was. Yeah, 12 to 10. You know, also playing Josh Dobbs. You know, <laughs> I know he's not Jaron Hall, but, like, you know, there's not that big of a difference. And the Packers scored 33 on them. Justin Fields 0-5 career against the Packers, um, passer rating in the 70s. So, Did, did you know uh, if the Packers beat them, it's 10 in a row now, mm-hmm. and that will be the longest streak by either team in the series? That's amazing. The last win, of course, being in 2018 when Eddie Jackson intercepted a pass in the back of the end zone to clinch the NFC North for the Bears. The punchline to that, of course, is that Eddie got hurt returning the interception 
and could not play in the playoffs. So even the good news wound up being bad news for the Bears. Uh, Jason, we will discuss all of this on Sunday night. Until then, you can follow Jason and I on social media and in the Sun-Times. For Jason, for Mark Potash, and myself, I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon.